you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to 2 Peter chapter number 3. And uh, as you're turning there, I do want to make a correction. Daniela's parents are the Vela family. I'm so sorry. I was thinking of her brothers, Alvarado. So sorry about that. Uh, 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 it is Vela. So it's good to have you guys here this morning with us. 2 Peter chapter number 3, and we'll be reading verse 17 and 18. If you are, uh, if you have not received the notes this morning, uh, you are uh, more than welcome to just raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. And it's just a way in which you can follow along through the message this morning and hopefully be a help and a blessing to you. So 2 Peter chapter number 3, and we'll be reading ver- two verses, verses 17 and verse number 18. Okay, verse 17 and verse 18 of 2 Peter chapter number 3. It says this way, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, Beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be both glory, both now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. And I I thank you for these verses that have so much to teach us. I pray that this morning, as we are challenged by the truth of your word, that uh, you would give us... Uh, grace this morning to receive your word, but also that we would be able to uh, be doers of your word, not only uh, understanding it, but to apply it into our lives. I pray that you would hide me behind thy cross, that you would fill me with your spirit, help me to communicate this message with clarity, Father, and that it would be something that would be a help and an encouragement to those that are here this morning. Pray that you would bless now this time, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Jesus than silver or gold I'd rather be his than have riches untold I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hands than to be a king of a vast domain and be held in sins dreads away I'd rather Jesus than anything this world affords today. I'd rather have Jesus than man's applause. I'd rather be faithful to his dear cause. I'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame. 
Well, every Christian, every person that has put their faith in Jesus Christ ought to be growing. He was born on September 25th. 1965 in Hamburg, Arkansas. He was the youngest of 12 in his family. He had a rather large family. He was the youngest of 12 born to Ethel and Preston. And his mother could not afford really uh, to, uh, his mother and father could not afford really to send many of them uh, to college. Both of them were rather tall. Uh, his mom was six feet tall. His uh, father was six foot one. And, and yet uh, he was the last of this uh, family. Uh, he couldn't really afford to go to college, and uh, yet he tried to play sports and, and uh, do his best on that level to see if he could earn himself a, a college scholarship. And uh, as a senior in high school, at six foot one, he was point guard of his basketball team. And he did a, an amazing job. He led them to the uh, state finals and, and the playoffs, I should say. He earned all-conference honors, and uh, he was a player that uh, was very much recognized there uh, in his high school and in his city uh, for his basketball skills. Yet, there was not one college that offered him a scholarship. So he went to the nearest college to him to walk on. And if you're not familiar with walk-ons, it's, it's basically uh, when you go to a college and they have not offered you a scholarship, you have to pay for your schooling, and you try out for one of the teams. And he was trying out, of course, for the basketball team. He made the basketball team uh, as a six-foot-one guard and began to play uh, for them. He played so well in four years that uh, his, his coach was, was able to get scouts to come and look at him. And uh, in those four years, uh, this player went from six foot one to six foot eight. He grew seven inches in four years. Of course, his basketball skills improved. Later seeing that the scouts seeing what he was doing and his, his uh, level of competitiveness and what he could produce on the floor drafted him. He was drafted by the Chicago Bulls and many of the older generation know him as Scotty Pippen. But he grew seven inches in four years. Man, how many would like a growth spurt like that? I'm still waiting for a growth spurt like that, all right? Uh, something st stopped for me at five foot nine, and nothing ever happened after high school for me. 
Uh, but that was an amazing growth period in four years for that man, Scottie Pippen. You know that for every Christian, we ought to have every year growth in our spiritual life. In fact, there in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you know a little bit about this book of 2 Peter, you know it's the final letter that Peter is going to write to the Christians there uh, uh, that were spread abroad. Uh, he is about to face martyrdom for his faith. And, uh, and seeing what was going on there with the Christians of his day, he begins to write this final letter. In 1 Peter, uh, that first letter that he wrote, he's, he's really warning them about how the devil is as a lion. He's one that is looking to devour people. He's one that's looking to discourage people and to bring them down. And really, 1 Peter, uh, the whole book there, the first five, those five chapters are there that Peter is just trying to warn them. You need to just be careful. The devil's out there. He's trying to go after you. He's going after your family. You need to be very careful. Be, be vigilant. Be sober because that adversary, the devil, uh, seeketh and walketh about, uh, seeking whom he may devour. And so he warns them about that. But in 2 Peter, he has a little bit different of a message. He doesn't talk about the devil as that roaring lion. He talks about that devil as that big liar. Do you know the Bible says that Satan is the father of lies? And even in the first century, as Christianity was just starting to grow, as the apostles were reaching others with the gospel message of Jesus Christ, there was already false teachers, people that were bringing false doctrine, that's wrong teaching, into the church. And, and Peter is telling them, listen, y'all need to beware. Be careful because there's these uh, teachers that are coming in and creeping into the church that are giving you lies. They're feeding you lies. They're, they're teaching you false doctrine. And I, and I want you to understand that the devil is behind that. The devil is trying to deceive you. He's trying to use them to, to make you believe lies. And, and, and so he begins to tell them what some of those false teachings were. Uh, many of them were, were teaching some of the false teachers that Jesus Christ isn't coming back. And if he was going to come back, why has he not come back already? And, and some of the end times teaching. And even back then in the first century, people were already doubting if Jesus Christ was really going to come back for his, uh, for his sheep. And so uh, we find that they were doubting that kind of doctrine. And Peter was saying, listen, I want you to understand that what God has said, he will do. God is a God that fulfills promises. And so he tries to correct that wrong teaching there that was going into the church. But he found that the most effective thing that we must know, the most important thing I feel is in verse number 18. He says, if you're going to fight this wrong doctrine, if you're going to stay, as he says in verse 17, in your own steadfastness, if you're going to stay strong and not go with the error of the wicked way, then he says you must grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You see, we find that it's so important for every Christian to grow. It is important for every Christian to grow this morning. You see, failure to grow will only result in defeat in your life. If you're not constantly growing in your walk with God, then it won't be long before you'll have no walk with God. You'll live a life that is defeated. And Peter was trying to warn them, listen, I'm, I'm going to my death. I'm going to be martyred. They will crucify me upside down, and, and I'm going to that death. But I want you that are there remaining strong. I want you to understand you must be growing. 
Now, we've been going over this principle of sowing and reaping, and it's so important for us to understand we need to sow the seed of growth in our life. It's going to determine if you're going to have a successful Christian life, one that will have victory or one that will have defeat if you do not grow. Now, I want to give you three thoughts really quick as a matter of introduction on growth. Number one is that it is natural. Growth is natural. I don't think anybody would be surprised in here if I told you that uh, the moment that I came out of my mother's womb, I was not 180 pounds like I am today. And that might not be exactly the truth. Maybe I'm a little bit heavier than that. But I like 180. That sounds like the truth for me. Uh, But nobody is surprised about that. Everyone says, yeah, that's, that's usually how it works. You're born a few pounds, maybe five, six, seven pounds, and then you begin to grow. It's just natural part of life. Growth is something that is natural. But secondly, growth is something that is intentional. Growth does not happen by accident. In fact, uh, as parents, we have to do our best to feed our children, make sure that they're eating right, making sure that they're exercising, making sure that they're getting everything that they need so that they can grow. You know, growth is always intentional, whether it is from a child becoming a teenager and then becoming an adult, or if it's uh, just growing in your position as a leader, uh, as, as a person in your personal life, having personal growth. All of that must be intentional. You have to intentionally grow. That's why some people read books and some people go to seminars and conferences and they're looking how they can grow. Okay, it is something that is intentional. But thirdly, uh, uh, growth is painful. Painful. Anyone that has survived to adulthood knows growth sometimes is painful. There's experiences as a child, there's experiences as teenagers, there's experiences as, as college students that you go through that sometimes are very painful, even as adults. Growth is just painful. There's a Chinese proverb that says the gem cannot be polished without friction, nor man perfected without trials. Isn't that so true? Have you not found that in your life that many times you have to go through some difficult times, as we we call them sometimes, growing pains to, to experience that growth? And so three things to understand about growth is this. It's natural, but it has to be intentional, and sometimes it's very painful. And yet, Paul tells the Christians, he says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How is it that we are to do this? How is it and why is it so important for us to grow? It's so important because without growth, there is no victory. So how do we do this? How do we grow in grace? Look, first of all, growing in grace. How is it that we do this? Well, first of all, let's define grace. Grace is the desiring, empowering, and enabling of the Holy Spirit to do God's will. I'll say that one more time in case you're writing this down. I know it's not in your notes, but you can write it down. Grace is desiring, empowering, and enabling of the Holy Spirit to do God's will. That's why it's so important. You know that you cannot please God without the grace of God in your life. Do you know that there is no good works? The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that all of our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. God says it really doesn't matter if you go to church, how many times you go to church. It really doesn't matter how many times you fed the poor. It really doesn't matter how, many, um, how much money you've given to the charities. It doesn't matter how much you've done for the victims of uh, Hurricane Harvey or Hurricane Irma. It really doesn't matter. The Bible says all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. You see, without the grace of God in our life, there's nothing that we can do to please God. 
The grace of God is what brings salvation into our life. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, But by grace are you saved through faith. That grace is the empowering, the enabling, the desiring of God to come to him. So the Bible says, by grace are ye saved through faith. And I like what it says there because you'll, you'll notice there uh, that it says, by grace are ye saved. That's a past tense verb, right, in English, saved. I know I'm going to get into a little bit of the weeds here with uh, those that like English or grammar. You might enjoy this a little bit. But that word saved in the Greek, the Greek has different tenses, okay, when it comes to their verbs. And uh, there's a past tense. We have past, present, future. So does the Greek. But every tense has something to do with the kind of action. Okay, it doesn't have to do with time exactly. It has to do with action. And in this one, this has a, a present tense verb, or perfect, I should say, a perfect tense verb. And that means that the action has been completed, but the results are continuous. The actions are completed, but the results are continuous. And the reason that's important is because by grace, we receive Christ in a moment. But the action of that salvation is continued. That's why you cannot lose your salvation, because once you are saved by grace, once God's grace has, been, has come into your life by your confessing Jesus Christ as the one that, and the only one that can die and save you from your sins, as you ask him to forgive you, in that moment, the Bible says you are saved. That's a one-moment thing. But the action of that, the results of that continue for the rest of your life. You are saved for the rest of your life. In that moment, there's no, you can't say, nobody can say who's ever been born, well, I've always been a Christian. Well, that's, that's impossible. Because the Bible says there's a moment that you are saved. There's one moment in your life, and you have to remember, has that been a moment in my life where I remember asking Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins and to be my personal Savior? It's something that is not done through a church. It's something that is not done uh, through a program. It's not done uh, through my good works because my good works are as filthy rags. But it's by the grace of God, Ephesians chapter 2 says. That's how we are saved. So we find that the grace of God not only saves us, but the grace of God is what sanctifies us. We find that the grace of God is what makes us righteous and holy. It's the grace of God that makes us sufficient. Uh, it's the grace of God that sustains us in life. See, the grace of God is in every area of your Christian life. And if you're not growing in your Christian life, you're missing the grace of God. And Peter tells those Christians, you need to grow in grace. Understand that grace is an area. It, it touches every area of your Christian life. From the moment your Christian life begins to the moment that you will be turned this corruptible into the incorruptible body. It is God's grace throughout all of eternity will stay with you and with me. It's so important to understand we need to be growing in this grace. So what does Peter say? How is it that we grow in grace? I want you to understand that today, if you're going to grow in grace, it requires dependence. Since you can't earn God's grace in your life, but it is a gift of God, because you can't earn it, that means you have to be dependent on the one who gives it. So this morning, if you're going to grow in grace, you say, how am I going to do that, Pastor? You're going to have to be dependent on God. How are we going to be dependent? There in your notes, number one, upon God's heart. Do you know that man's heart, the Bible says, is desperately wicked? In nine years of marriage, I have not woken up one time yet 
with my, my, with my wife telling me, you know, honey, if you could just be selfish today, I would really enjoy that. Can you just allow pride to come in your life today and just be rude to me? Do you know, she's never asked me to do that, and yet I can recall many times where I've been rude and where I've been selfish. You know why? Because the Bible says that our heart is desperately wicked. Our heart needs to be changed. Our heart needs the grace of God in our life. And so one that is growing in the grace of God is one that's understanding God's heart. One that understands what God's heart is for you and for me. We must be growing in grace. That means depending more and more upon the heart of God in our life. That's why there, 2 Peter chapter 3, look at a few verses up. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. God is long-suffering. To who? It says, to usward. That means to everyone. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know what the, the heart of God is? It's for you and me to repent. The, God, the, the heart of God this morning is for you and me to come to Him. That's what God wants for you and for me. And a heart that is growing in grace, a life and a Christian that is growing in grace, is one that is growing and in, in depending more on that heart of God for them. One that's looking to be long-suffering. One that's willing to receive God's mercy and grace in our lives. I like what Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 says. God said, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. You see, God wants you and I uh, to have a heart of love. God's heart for us is one of love. That's God's grace in your life. You begin to understand God's heart for you begin to grow in God's grace in your life. You find that we, we, we are dependent there upon God's heart, but also upon God's strength. You see, God's grace is what allows you to go on when you feel like you can go on no longer. You ever been there in life when you feel like you should quit on church? You ever gotten halfway through your year and say, man, I'm so behind on my Bible reading there's really no point to try to catch up anymore. I'll never catch up. I'll never finish it in a year. I, I was on a reading plan, and I just, I'm just going to quit. You ever been in that moment where trials are coming into your life? Perhaps you got some difficult news from a doctor saying, I'm sorry, but it appears you have cancer. I'm sorry, but you have something terminal there in your body. You ever been in a place where it just seems like you want to quit? One that is growing in grace is one that is depending on God's strength. I love what God promises. And by the way, this is a promise in His Word, Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God says, one that is growing in grace is one that is depending on me for strength. If you read there in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul came to a point where God had put a thorn in his flesh. Uh, that means that there was something that he was dealing with that was very painful. And he asked God, God, will you please take this away from me? Take this pain away from me. You know what God answered him? He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. For in your weakness is when I am made strong. One that is growing in the grace of God is one that is saying, I'm going to be dependent upon God's strength for my life. Not only am I going to be looking for God's heart for me, but also for God's strength for me. 
You see, growing in grace has to do with God's heart in my life, God's strength in my life, but also has to do with God's plan for my life. You see, God's grace is what lead us to, leads us to His ultimate uh, fulfillment of His plan for your life and for my life, to our ultimate purpose. You know that each one of us plays a different role in God's plan, and each plan is really different and just as important, though. I like how Paul in Corinthians, uh, we don't have time to turn there, but uh, he talks about and he compares the, 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 the Christian church uh, to the body. And he says, you know, in your body you've got a lot of parts, and, and, and not all of them do the same thing. Not, not all of them are used the same way, but they're all important. I mean, how much money would you give up your eye for? If someone would say, let me pluck out your eye for a million dollars, would you do it? I mean, you still got another one. It's not like you're not going to see anymore. You'd say, no, not a chance. But it's just, it's just a little eyeball. It's not even, it's not an arm. It's not a leg. It's just an eye or just an ear. You know, there's not enough money in the world for someone to just give that up just for money. It's worth a whole lot more than that. And Paul says, listen, just as important as that eye is to your body, you know, God's purpose for your life is just that important. Sometimes we look at it and say, well, I just help out at church. I'm not really a big, I just sort of, I, I give bulletins and, and I help people sit down at their seat. It's not a really a big thing. God says, it's a big thing. Well, I just teach a class. It's, it's really, it's just the nurseries. I mean, they're, they're two-year-olds. I mean, it's not like they can learn a lot. It's not like they're, they're, they're going to be able to, to go and tell others of what they're learning in class. It's really not that important. God says it's very important. It's just as important as your eye is to your body. It's just as important as your, 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 your pinky is to your hand. I mean, it's all equal. It might be a different role. You might not be doing what someone else is doing. But listen, God's purpose for your life is just as important. And we need God's grace in our life if we're going to grow and, and accomplish what God's plan for our life is. So Peter tells them, listen, I know that there's a lot of people that are, are trying to dissuade you, that are trying to deceive you with the false teaching, but I want to remind you of something. God's grace is there to help you. Look at God's heart for you. Look at God's strength that he has for you. Uh, look at God's plan for you. That all comes by his grace. So listen, when, when you see that false teaching, when you feel like you're losing your steadfastness, grow in grace. Look to grow in grace. But then he says, not only are we to grow in grace, and by the way, that is something that comes from God. It's not something we earn. It's, it's something that we look to God for. We look to God for his heart. We look to God for his strength. We look to God for his, his plan for our life. But then he says, grow in knowledge. Now, that word knowledge has to do with acquiring wisdom on working for it, okay, to acquire that. So we find that he says, grow in grace. But then there's also an element that is lying, relying on you. You're the one that is responsible for this, and that is growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, how do we do this? Let me just say, it requires discipline to do this. Growing in grace requires dependency on God, but growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ requires discipline upon you and me. And Peter says, I want you to understand, not only if you're going to be steadfast, do you need to grow in this area of grace. You need to grow in this knowledge. How, could I, how can I do that? 
I like uh, what someone said. Someone said a group of tourists asked an old man if any great men were born in this small town. He said, nope, only babies. And sometimes, you know what? It's babies that grow up to be great men. And if you're going to grow up and do something for God, if your life is going to have any kind of significance and purpose, you're going to have to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You're going to have to understand what his word says. So I want you to, to notice, how can we do this? Number one, by studying God's word. By studying God's word. How do you learn? How do you acquire this knowledge? It's nothing that God just by osmosis makes you like lay on this book like this and sleep and then... Uh, and then suddenly you know everything about the Bible. That's osmosis. That's not how you learn. That's not how you get the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But it is by studying. You know, the Bible says that we are to study uh, God's word as one that mines for gold. Now, I've never really done this in my life, but I've seen documentaries. And um, it's amazing how much patience, how much time, how much commitment one has to have to go to, to a river, into a mine, and you come out with these rocks, and then you siphle through them, you know, with the water there, and, and, and you're just looking for little specks of gold. And you can work years and years and years and only find a little bit of gold, but that little bit of gold is worth all of the time spent looking for it. So how do I grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Take time to study God's Word. Look for what God's Word says. You know, this is not something, studying the Word of God is not something that is only for pastors not only for missionaries. Well, I'm not the pastor, so, you know, he needs to read that. I hope he knows what he's talking about. God says, listen, this word is for all of my children. I want each and every one of you to be learning, to be growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Peter said, don't just rely on me because I'm an apostle. He says, this is for you as well. You're to grow in grace. You're to grow in knowledge. That means you need to study God's word. Understanding the Bible is, is key to growing in our life. As we discipline ourselves to study the Word of God, we begin to see life from God's perspective. The more you can see life from God's perspective, let me just say, the wiser, the wiser your de decisions will be. All right? So we find that Peter says we need to uh, study God's Word if we're going to grow in knowledge. By the way, that requires discipline. But also, let me just say that you need to seek God's face. Seek God's face. Well, what exactly is that? That's your time in prayer. You say, when you study God's word, that is God speaking to you. But when you spend time praying, that is you speaking with God. And it's so important that we, if we're going to be growing, that we understand I need to be growing by studying God's word, but spending time seeking God's face. Spending that time in prayer. That's what's so remarkable about our relationship with Jesus Christ. Some people say, oh, are you religious? Is that, is that your religion? I say, no, we, we don't have a religion. Religions looks at routines. Religions uh, look on the work of a person, right? But a relationship looks on the works of someone else. A relationship is something that's always changing. It's, it's dynamic. It's not static. It's not the same thing over and over and over and over again. I have found, and I've only been married nine years, but I've, I've found that when I talk to couples that have been uh, married for 15, 20, and 30, and 40 years, they say, I'm more in love with her now than I was when I first got married with her. Sometimes you think, but how can that be? She doesn't quite look like she did in that wedding picture. And you say, you know, there, there's a love that is deeper than just skin deep. 
a relationship has the power to bring someone together where the love is just, it's, it's, it's so remarkable, it's so strong that it's more than it was when you first met them. And Peter says, listen, Christian, you got to grow in grace, you got to grow in knowledge. Spend that time seeking God's face, developing this relationship. Here's just some uh, practical, I guess, questions that you could ask yourself would be this. Is there something in my life uh, where I need to be more faithful? Is my love for him what it ought to be? That's something that you ought to talk to God about. Ask him. In that time of prayer, say, God, am, am, am I loving you like I should? God, is there an area that I need to change and be more faithful in, or is, how am I doing? Spending time seeking God's face, it's, it's so important if you're going to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You've got to study, what has he said to me, but then also spend time saying, God, what can I do for you? I love what Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Jeremiah 29, 13, And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search me with all of your heart. God says, if you just look after me, you'll find me. I wonder this week, how much time did we spend looking for him? I know we spent time checking up on scores. I know we checked, uh, spent time checking on uh, our task and to-do list for work. But what time did we spend just seeking after him? Peter said, listen, if you're going to know what is false doctrine, if you're going to know what is right doctrine, if you're going to plant the right kind of seeds so you can reap the right kind of rewards in your life, then you better sow the seed of growth. And that starts with grace but it also has to do with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We do it, and we grow in our study of God's word. We, we do it by seeking God's face, but then thirdly, by sensing God's will. You see, to know God's will for our life requires us to be growing in our lives. We can only do what God wants when we know what God thinks. I like the story there in, in Acts chapter uh, number 8. We find Philip, uh, the evangelist, is there, and, and God told him, I want you to go to this desert place, and just go there. It's, it's a desert place, but I want you to go. And, and Philip was not asking, well, God, well, what should I do? Or who's going to be there? I mean, is it going to be worth my while? Somebody can pay for my expenses. Philip just said, okay, God, if that's where you want me to go, I'm going to go. And as he goes, there's an Ethiopian there, and he's just reading the book of Isaiah, and, and, and he's really uh, just sort of going through it. And you can tell, Philip could tell, he really didn't understand exactly what he, was, uh, what he was saying. And the Bible says there in verse 29, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. You know, if you're going to sense God's will in your life, you're going to have to be growing in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Something to be open to say, if the Holy Spirit uh, uh, speaks to me in any way, I got to do it. We used to have a saying in our Bible college that said, obey every impulse of the Holy Spirit. You ever been at a, at a supermarket and, and you have uh, an invitation, a track there in your pocket for our church, and, and something inside of you says, you should invite them. You ever had that? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the impulse of the Holy Spirit. By the way, I'm so excited uh, for us as, as a church. We, we ordered 2,500 tracks of those summer ones. How many at least gave at least one summer track invitation to somebody? Can I just see your hands real quick? Great, quite a few of us. Do you know that we, we gave in the three months over the summer, we gave 2,500 of them? We have no more. That's awesome. 
That's, that's sharing the grace of God with others. That's showing them the gospel message. We just got 2,500 more for the fall season. I'm praying God will do the same again in the next three months that we don't let up, that we will continue uh, inviting and sharing with others the grace of God, that we will grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, that's what it's all about, sensing God's will for our life. Love what uh, Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me ask you something really quick in a practical manner. What is it that God is leading you to do this week? Hey, who at work needs to be invited by you to come to church next Sunday? Who there in your neighborhood needs to, needs to know that there is someone that died for him, for them, and his name is Jesus? So many times we get so preoccupied with everything else in our life that we forget to sense God's will in our life. Well, how am I going to do that, Pastor, growing? Growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's going to require discipline. We may not watch as much news on Fox News or CNN like we did before. We may not spend as much time on Facebook as we did before. We may not... Spend as much time doing other things, but that's just part of growing. It takes discipline. It takes discipline to study. It takes discipline to seek God's face. It takes discipline to sense God's will. Let me ask you, where is he leading you this week? My invitation for you this morning is to make a commitment. Will you commit this morning to just say, you know what, I want to grow? I want to grow this, this, this week. I want to grow in God's grace. I want to see what God is going to do with me in my life personally. But I also want to grow in the knowledge. I, I want to be dependent upon God, but I want to be disciplined to look and follow after God. That, that's really the message this morning. I like what um, Pablo uh, Casals, he, he might be someone that you've never heard of. I know I had not heard of him until I, I saw this story. But when he reached 95 years of age, a young reporter threw him a question. They said, Mr. Casals, you are 95 and you're the greatest cellist that has ever lived. Why do you con continue at 95 years of age, continue practicing for six hours a day? And he simply answered this. He said, because I think I'm making progress. You know what Peter would tell those Christians? Grow in grace. Grow in knowledge. Why? Because you're making progress. This morning, I want to encourage you to make progress. As we're going to be dismissed in a few moments uh, this morning, uh, the ushers have this little thing. I found this at, uh, at Home Depot, and if you don't know what this is, they're, they're little, um, uh, like, um, I don't, if, you, if you're into planting at all, you can put these in the, uh, in the little, uh, I was going to say the vase, but it's not a vase, right? It's, what is it called? A, a pot, pot. And, uh, and you can label what it is. You know, if you planted like tomato, a tomato plant, you can just put tomato on here or, or whatever. Okay? Just to remind you what you've planted there and, and to remind you that it's, it's growing. And what I would like you to do is on your way out, ask just one of the ushers to give you one and maybe write, just write grace and knowledge. And just remind yourself this week, you know what? There's some progress that needs to be made in my relationship with God. There's some more grace that I can receive from God. 
There's some more knowledge that I can learn about God in this relationship, just like I'm learning more about my wife and my kids every day. I want to learn more about God every day in my life. I want to encourage you to pick one up on your way out. Just have it as a reminder this week. Man, I need to grow. I need to grow in grace. I need to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I, I thank you that you've been so good to us. I pray that you would help us now to apply this message into our lives, that we would not just be one that hears your word, but one that is a doer of your word. May we always have a heart for you. May we always be dependent upon you. But may we, may we also be disciplined enough to take time to spend with you. May this week be a week of growth. And may we, uh, by your grace, be able to share with others what has transformed us, what has changed us. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the grace uh, that we have in our lives given by you. Thank you for your word that gives us knowledge of our Savior. May we always have a heart to grow and a heart to love you, a heart to follow after you. I ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Announcements this morning. I do want to ask those that are going to get uh, baptized. If you're a, a young lady, you can come to this door, and uh, my wife Rochelle will be there with you. And, and